Wrong way. My apologies. It's not the sound man. It's normally me. It is so good to be with you. I wish I had three hours. In April this year, I went to Presence. I was a couple of days late getting there because of the job that I'm working in. Uh, as a result of that, the first two meetings, everyone else is getting touched by God, entering into the presence of God. And I'm trying to do it. And it's just not working for me. And so eventually I said, God, are you upset with me because I'm like two days late? Because that really sucks if that's the case. But I get it. So uh, I went to my knees and... Uh, did everything but still nothing it was like chewing on cardboard it was just terrible and uh, then the miracle offering came and my wife turns to me I think some of you heard this story before because I shared it on the Friday night that I was with you and she says what are we given and uh, I said don't know she said no come on what, what's God saying I said don't know I'm smart enough now not to try and say God's saying something he's not. If, if God's saying something, I, I know what it is. I, I know the voice of God. I think, God, nothing. He says, what are we going to do? I says, whatever you decide. You just decide, I'll agree. She says, well, I've got a thousand bucks spare and, and let's give that. I said, yep, great, let's do that. The moment she starts writing out the credit card slip, God says to me, now, you match it. I went, thank God, I don't hear the voice of God for two sessions. I'm worshipping, I'm pressing in, I don't hear the voice of God. And then clear as the bell, God says to me, give, you, you match it, give a thousand also. I, went, oh. I just said straight away to my wife, I said, double it. She said, I can't. I said, I can, I've just earned that this week. I'm giving you my wages. Add to it. From that moment forward, whoosh. Presence of God's in my world. I'm like, wow. Did I buy my way in? No. I obediently went in. Fast forward to that night, great message by Kong He, finishes the message, impacted my heart. I go to my knees to worship because I don't like the song that's being played. <laughs> I've already tried three times to worship with it. And to me, it's too girly, it's too this, it's too that. It's okay to be honest in church, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, I just go, oh, God, I'm sorry. So I had to go to my knees because I was just being distracted by lights, camera, action, stuff, instead of God. The moment I do that, I haven't shared this publicly before, so I shared it with the core of my team and stuff, but the moment I do that, a hand, I'm like in an open vision, comes, penetrates my chest cavity, and I see it happening. And in that moment, it's, it's both... Amazing and terrifying for me. And this finger begins to write upon my heart. The last time I had an encounter like that was at my son's funeral. not supposed to preach your son's funeral but I was scheduled to preach my son's funeral all my mates had helped me get the service to that place there was over 1200 people present and um, 
I said, God, I, I, you know, I can do this. I might have to call upon my mate to, to do this. I said, but I know that Christian would want me to do this. So if you'll give me the grace, I'll do it. And when I stepped into the pulpit for the first minute that I got started, because getting started is normally the hardest part, I had an out-of-body experience. I watched myself preach. And then, zoom, back in. That was actually the last time I had one of those really supernatural encounters with God. This one was equally impacting because I, the only way I can explain it is um, I've got a motorbike in my garage and on the side of it, it's got a nameplate. It says who made it and what its purpose is. Harley Davidson made it and its purpose is to go fast. So when God wrote upon my heart in April, he removed all the doubt from my life of what my purpose was in life. And basically, these aren't the words, but basically out of it, he said, son, I've called you to fill the church as an evangelist and fund the church as a leader. And so I want to talk to you from that base this morning, if that's okay. I reckon this is going to be good for all of us. I feel like I'm I'm extremely excellent people. Like the farmer that brought the donkey along to the thoroughbred race. And everyone looked at him and said, what's that about? He said, I just know it'll be good for him. I just know like today's going to be good for me. I'm not calling you a donkey. I think I'm... So if you've got a Bible, go to the most important verses in the Bible. Uh, if you believe the words of Jesus, let's go to the Gospel of uh, John. No, it's not John, it's the Gospel of Mark in chapter 4. About eight months ago, a man came to my church. He'd been in my church for two weeks, been visiting for two or three weeks. And on the Sunday night, he came to church. I didn't know this. He told me later. He came to the church and he was deciding whether he was going to stay. And on that night, I decided that we were going after debt cancellation and the supernatural provision of God. So he stood in at the end of the prayer line. I didn't know what he was going through. And he's a big guy. Um, and I laid my hands on him, prophesied and released the power of God. And he went bang on the floor. It was like... I don't think it had happened to him before. And at the time, we were trying to raise $30,000 to do evangelistic crusades in Cambodia. And we were short. And we were going the next week. And uh, I heard nothing from him. No, seeing it happen. And then on the Tuesday, two days later, his dad calls me and says, "Uh, my son and I, we need to come and see you. I says, what's wrong? He says, "Um, you know that debt cancellation thing you did on... I said, you mean when God decided to move and touch people? And that? He says, yeah, that. He said, um, you won't believe what happened. I said, uh, really? Try me. He said, well, yesterday, my son came into some money unexpectedly. I said, how much? He says, oh, don't worry about that. I says, well, how, what? He says, well, put it this way. He's going to be able to pay for his house in cash. I went, are you serious? He came, he wanted to come to the office that day to, he says, whatever's left over, whatever's needed for Cambodia, he just wants to write the check out when you need it. 
planet Rao. I've got to mention that now because tonight significant things will take place. They're not trying to hype up mumbo jumbo. I don't like to do anything that when I go home and sit with God, he doesn't smile upon because I've got to sleep that night. I like my sleep. I don't need God interfering with me in the night because I've done something wrong. You know what I'm saying? But let me say this. The Bible says that um, in the last days, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2, in the last days the, ho- the, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall become the most important place on earth. It says people from all over the earth will come there to worship. Jesus, in talking about the house of God, he said this to his parents when his parents had lost him for three, for three days. He said, hey, didn't you realize I'd be here in the temple, in my father's house, about my father's business? Twelve years old he was. You think you're too young to serve God? Twelve years old. He's in the temple, in the house of God. Because Jesus knew in the last days, the house of God would become the most important place on earth. The house. To the money changers that were trying to turn the house of God into a cake and bake store, into a lamington drive. I know we don't do that stuff anymore. Into a let's go to the government and see if they'll give us some money to bring into the church kind of place. He said, hey, don't make my house a den of thieves. This house is a house for all nations. I know that you think your church is just for Tugra, but your church is not just for Tugra. Your church is for all nations. I know that you think you could save some money by meeting in a hall, but listen to me, the Most High God doesn't meet in a hired hall. He has a house that is dedicated to Him. He says it's the most important place on earth. He says it's more important than your home. Right now, I still owe 80% of the mortgage on my home. Right now, i still got to believe God every month to make sure that that gets paid on time. Are you hearing me? But I've still made a $10,000 commitment to my local church to give into my building fund because the house of God is the most important place on earth. That's over and above my time. That's over and above what we give into missions. That's over and above the kids that we look after overseas. That's over and above paying for my daughter's wedding that's over and above my grandchild that seems to have to have a new outfit every week, according to my wife. I said, babe, this is the first. And we have another three kids. And they're Italian. They're going to breed like rabbits. But what I'm trying to say out of that, all the other stuff that we do doesn't remove the fact that the house of God is the most important place on earth. When, when the disciples seen Jesus turn up the tables and bring out a whip and say, hey, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to use some, some of this. He must have been... No, he wasn't Italian. Uh, the disciples remembered, when they seen him display that kind of emotion, the disciples remembered that in Psalm 69 verse 9 it says, zeal for your house burns within me. I, I know you've got some passion for Jesus, but I want to say this morning, you need to get some passion for the house of God also, because the house of the Lord is the place where God has designed that people come in. You see, when Jesus couldn't be found, his parents looked everywhere. And when they came and found him in the house, he said, didn't you know I'd be here? 
People are trying to find God. Just got to go to his house. He's there. Oh, but Claude, that sounds a little Old Testament. Listen, stop splitting up the Bible into two segments. It's one God all the way through who never changes. Genesis is the seedbed of Revelation. If it ain't found in Genesis, then you're not going to find it in Revelation. The house of God must become the most important place on the earth. I know I'm preaching to the converted, but I just want to give you the background. Now let's go and have a look at what the Bible says in Mark chapter 4. And just for the sake of time, um, I'm only going to read one verse, I think. Who has a New Living Translation Bible, like a physical Bible in their lap? Can I use your Bible? Do you have one of those? Is it New Living? Let's try it anyway. I reckon it'll work. NIV, the nearly inspired version. Ah, that's all right. Let's let's just go with this. Ah, I like you. Could you just stand there for a minute? Because I reckon you make me look good. And um, are you single? That's crazy. Um, I don't have a man crush, I promise. Uh, I'm glad, because some of you weren't laughing before. In this parable, Jesus shares this parable in a public place. The disciples don't understand it, so they come back and say, hey, what were you talking about? It was the parable of the sower, right? And then he says this in verse 13. Uh, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Do you... Do you understand this parable? How then do you not understand? Don't you understand, it says here. Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? You've got to understand that this portion of Scripture is one of the most most important portions of Scripture in the Bible, according to Jesus. What does yours say? Just say it loud that way. And Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? Thank you. If you can't... (laughs) So, if you want to have a look at any parable, any subject in the Bible, any teaching, you've got to first start from a place of understanding the principles and laws that Jesus unlocked here. Are you with me? And so this morning, based upon that, let me say this to you. I'm going to, everything I refer to today is going to come from this portion of Scripture. Mark chapter 4, verses 3 to 20. If you think that I'm saying something offline, when you go home today, read it and check it first. But most of this will come to your memory as we go through. You'll remember that Jesus identified four types of ground. Yeah? And so there was the... I, I like what the New Living Translation says. It says with those, the seed was sown by the preacher... The preaching of the word, that the preacher sowed the word. But some of the seed fell on first the footpath. Then it said on shallow soil. Then it said uh, it, it, it fell in thorny ground. And then finally, it fell in fertile soil. You with me? Four types of ground. Say with me, the footpath. Oh, no, come on. I know that, you know, WA is conservative, but I've heard that the eastern seaboard is not conservative. So can you say with me, the footpath? footpath. Okay. 
Can you say with me, shallow? shallow. Can you say, thorny? thorny. Let's try prickly. prickly. Same thing, right? Thorny, prickly. Can you say, fertile? Hmm. Fertile. I'm looking at fertile people this morning. Fertile soil produces a harvest. Father, I want to thank you this morning that uh, with the time that I got left, that you would just highlight in my mind and in my heart the words, the thoughts, the insights that are most important to these people. I yield myself to your anointing, cover every person in your blood, that we might come into the abundance that you have designed for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So there's four types of ground here that you can sow seed into if you're a preacher. You've got to understand that the scripture finishes off and says that those that are fertile soil, they, they hear the word, they accept the word, and they produce a harvest. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And so you've got to look at the four types of ground that we can possibly be if you want to be a person that produces a harvest. If you want to be a champion of any vision, there's certain things that you've got to do to be a champion. Don't you agree? All champions know how to fight. And if you're going to be a champion of the vision, you've got to know how to fight for the vision of this house. Yeah? All champions know how to lead. You lead by example. So you're the first one to cough up and say, hey, here's my commitment. Today we're going to make commitments to God. And leaders are the first ones there. Some of you have already put them in. Some of you are going to revisit. I heard one person's already revisited their commitment overnight and come back with a greater commitment for this year. That's incredible. But here it says, firstly, you can be a footpath Christian. Footpath Christians, (laughs) ah, they're on the footpath. Yeah. They are stingy to everyone, including God. They never produce because they are not aware of the birds. Everybody say the birds. Who has angry birds on their phone? That keeps me up some nights, eh? But you know what? You've got to be aware of the birds. You've got to be aware the birds come along and they take seed from the footpath. Birds come along and say, don't give, take. Birds come along and say, if you give, you'll never get it back. All they talk about is money. Beware of the birds. They steal your seed. I clawed the crow for nothing. So don't be a footpath Christian. We've said before that footpath Christians are hard-hearted. I'm not sure it's the hard-heartedness. It's just not aware of the birds. Birds come along. See, news. sooner or later that seed's going to get pushed off into the ground. It's going to grow. But it doesn't get a chance to grow because birds come along and eat the seed. It's interesting if you go to Malachi chapter 3, God rebukes the seed eater. So don't be a footpath Christian when it comes to giving. And then the next group of people or possible Christians are shallow Christians, shallow soil. They never produce because when tough times hit, their lack of depth is revealed. Normally goes this quiet in my church when I start talking like this too. 
shallow Christians, um, they'll sow today if they're going to reap this week. I went five years in my life faithfully tithing and giving offerings over and above and never seeing one financial benefit. I'd just become the pastor of my church. <laughs> From 1996 to 2001, I'd never seen my income increase as, t- as a result of tithes and offerings. In fact, it went down. But we stayed faithful for five years, tithing and giving offerings with no increase. Because I determined I'd given my entire life to live like a sinner. The least I could do is give my entire life to live like a saint. And regardless of whether I was going to get a harvest, the thing that I was given into was worth it. But shallow Christians, they give if there's no GFC. They give if they agree with the purpose, the management and the spirit of the church. I don't know if I agree with the purpose, the management and the spirit of my own church. At times. It's okay to be honest, hey? Yeah. You see, in hard times, it's the best time to give. Isaac sowed in a famine and reaped in the same year a hundredfold return. I was in the middle of a famine. I'd lost a quarter of a million dollars and I didn't have a quarter of a million dollars to lose. I'd been a Christian one year. And we had to relocate our home and family. I'm working like six, seven days a week. I've just decided that I'm not going to work seven days a week anymore because I've got to take my family to church. I'm going to lead by example. And so I'm only working six. Six days, 12 hours a day. And we've gone to church one Sunday. It's my daughter's birthday the next weekend. And we've got nothing. I've put my tithe in the offering. And I've got 15 bucks left. That $15 is going to provide me with food as I go to work that week. The family's got food and everything sorted, but, but you know, I need to do something. I've decided to fast because it's easier. The $15 is in the top packet, pocket of my suit jacket. It's in my wardrobe. That Sunday afternoon, a Christian friend comes around and says, oh, I'm in a real state. I've got to get to work tomorrow and I don't have fuel in the car. Can I borrow 10 bucks? I said, sure, no problems. As I walked to the closed, uh, the walk-in robe thing to get the money, the Holy Ghost says to me, don't lend her $10. Give her $15 and tell her you don't want it back. God, you're stupid. Is there someone else up there? I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I just talked it up there a bit. I said, but I didn't say, is there someone else up there? Short story, I go do it. That's Sunday. I work the week. On the Friday, a friend of mine comes to pick me up to um, thank me for something I'd done for them take me out for lunch on the way back driving down the highway he reaches into his suit jacket pulls out an envelope says my wife and I just put something together we wanted to thank you for all you've done and he gives me an envelope and it's heavy you know you go to Hungry Jack's and you ask for heavy everything (laughs) this is like a heavy everything envelope 
And I'm just thanking him. It's not appropriate to open it there. Hey, you do it when you get home. But I've been believing God for a hundredfold return on my 15 bucks. I get home and there's 20 pineapples in the envelope. You know what a pineapple is? $50 note. Me, I, I kind of prefer the avocados. Yeah, some of you are onto it. Next one up. And, and I am just like, yay! And I went, a thousand bucks. I thought it was supposed to be 1500. <laughs> I was still celebrating. I was like, what? Oh, I'm only like 60 fold ground. I want to be 100 fold. But who cares? Thousand bucks. It was great. We celebrated. Our daughter had a great birthday that, that weekend. We went to church. After church, our family came over. We told them they couldn't come before because we're still going to church. Uh, they came over. We have a party. He enjoys it. They're all leaving. My brother-in-law, as he's leaving the house, turns to his sister and says, Sis, had you on my heart, lady. He's not a Christian at the time. Had you on my heart, lady. Just want to give you this. Envelope. How much was in it? $500. I mean, yeah! I'm good ground! You've you got to know that when you, when you give, when it really hurts, it does something significant, hey? And actually, no one can tell you to do it. We drop hints and stuff to help and help kind of get you into a place where you can consider the fact. But when you give like that, changes everything don't be a shallow christian have some depth hard times hit keep going keep giving keep keep doing what you heard this morning just keep going that that is incredible 188 you go girl prickly christians the other type of ground you can be they never produce because they allow seed yeah don't go there um they allow the seed of weeds to grow it's not because they're prickly. It's not because they're a pain. It's not because they're thorny. It's because they allow seeds of weeds to be grown in their heart. The weeds choke out the power of God. Beware of seed, of, of weed-sowing Christians. Christians that just want to come along and sow a weed in your world. Or weeds that get sowed into our world because of strange doctrines. Strange, strange doctrines like, I don't believe in tithing, it's not in the New Testament. I could teach out of the New Testament for an hour straight on tithing where it's revealed and still not have enough time. I just give where I'm led, bald you do. You know, you know the person that says that. You know that God has told them to give and they haven't given. I just give where I'm led. Uh, the Bible says when you give, don't tell anyone, otherwise you won't get your blessing. In one portion of scripture Jesus said that and when he said it he was talking about charity I don't know if that happens in your church but it certainly happens in mine that um, I have some people in my church when they give to someone they want everyone to know about it they, they do it subtly because they're aware of the scripture but they I just want to bless you with this I just want to bless you with that and you know what Jesus said in that situation he says don't think you're going to receive anything from me because you've already got your reward everyone said oh they're a generous couple they're a generous person 
It's when you do your charitable donation, you keep it quiet. But everywhere else you go in Scripture, when you give to God, when you give offerings, when you give tithes, it's all open book, man. Jesus, when he preached, he preached from the treasury and he watched what people put in. How awkward would that be? There's a lot of people that don't think that, 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 that think their money doesn't change their relationship with God, but your, your money affects your relationship with God, especially the way you handle it. People that don't read their Bible say dumb things. Not for today. Beware of weeds that have been sown. God says weeds will be sown, sometimes by people, sometimes by false doctrines, sometimes the wind brings weeds into your world. The wind of the GFC. The wind of hard times, the wind of mistakes, the wind of guilt, the wind of whatever. Bring seed in and we have a responsibility. If we're going to be the kind of Christians that produce a harvest, we've got, to be, we've got a responsibility to remove the weeds. Uh, you know, it's funny, my next door neighbour won't come over into my property and remove weeds from my garden. My kids won't do it, my wife won't do it. Somebody says it's my responsibility to get the weeds out of my garden. Guess what? In your spiritual world, it's only you that can get the weeds out of your garden. Beware of those that want to sow weeds in your garden. And sometimes it's a surprise you only know once they come up. Pull them out. Comes up in a meeting, comes back, comes up in a time of devotion. Get the weeds out. And finally, who wants to look at the final type of ground? The final type of ground is fertile soil. Fertile Christians. They receive a harvest, 30, 60, 100 fold. Uh, there's three things you've got to do to be a fertile Christian. You've got to hear the word. Hmm. They were all hearing it, weren't they? No, Jesus said they weren't listening. Listening. We've got to hear the word when it comes to giving. Don't ignore the opportunity God has given you today to make a pledge into this house that could change your financial future. You've got to hear the word. You've got to accept the word. That means let's have 100% of every person, let's have 100% involvement and 100% fulfillment. I've just been teaching my church that everyone can give $10,000. Why? Because obviously my church is full of millionaires. Yeah, I've got like every person in my church is a millionaire. When I, when I launched our program, I launched it on a Sunday night. We raised $60,000 on the Sunday night. Six people gave. Three of them were staff members, and they all gave $10,000. Is that because I pay them like millionaires? Hmm. I'd like to, because they're worth it. One girl, she took her long service leave. She said, you know what, Pastor? I don't have anything here, but I'm going to give my long service leave. Another guy said, he, he, he's never given like this before. He's been in church 20 years. I'm given $10,000, it'll be in the bank tomorrow. I went, really? Works for us one day a week. Incredible guy. But I've been teaching that everyone can give $10,000. Actually, everyone here today can give $10,000. Just might take you more than a year. We want what you can do over the next year. Someone said, well, Pastor, 10, I said, 
So you say you can only give $10,000 over the next 10 years? That's fine. I'm happy with that. That means I've got a committed disciple of Christ in my church for the next 10 years, believe in God to prosper, and every week they're going to be faithful with their 20 bucks or whatever it is to get there. See, the thing is that, that God wants to stretch us and the, and the miracle comes in the stretch. I had one guy make a commitment to give, it wasn't there, and then all of a sudden it's there once you make the commitment to give. You've got to hear the word, you've got to accept the word, and then you produce a harvest. You heard about how the $15 became $1,500. Last weekend, some Christians that got saved in our church just a year ago, they came to church in a brand new car. They're about to have their fourth child. They've been saved 12 months, maybe 15 months. They got saved in our house. And they came to church in a brand new car for them. It's kind of two-year-old people mover. Cost $17,000 during the week. He gets a phone call. He's at work. His wife's like two months away from having their fourth child. And he says, uh, Sir, uh, so-and-so Hyundai here. And uh, we have a car here that's been fully paid for in your name. And he said... No, he says, who's this? Who's joking? He mentioned a couple of guys' names in the church. He thought, they'll have any more. They won't have any more. Someone in our church, we think, because we don't know. Because when you do a charitable donation, he comes to me and says, oh, I'm just amazed at the generosity of God, but, but the generosity of man. I said, no, 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 don't go there. Don't go there. Because this man is not generous naturally. Man is only generous when God touches their heart. And the reason why you don't know who it is and you should stop pursuing to find out who it is is because they want you to give all glory to God. He says, I'm just overwhelmed. I can't believe it. My wife was ecstatic. I was in tears. My kids just love the car. You don't think money is important? The guy I told you about earlier laid hands on him. Supernatural supply. I think it was $900,000. I mean, God, send someone into my world that will lay hands on me. Right now, it's probably the easiest time you'll ever have to make a decision. And so, I believe there's pled cards, cards around the place. I would love for you to, on your seats, there's a whole letter there that has been written to you. And uh, you can see here, I think, what have we done here? We've broken down weekly, monthly, and annual amounts that you can give. I'm not sure how many of you can get here tonight. Um, but, but I'd really like to pray for everyone that puts a pledge card in tonight. I, I am going to be, in the first part of the meeting, a little bit discriminative in a sense. I want to first pray, pray for all those that have made a commitment. And that doesn't mean that those that don't can't get or can't have prayer. They will, but, but I know that the moment you kind of engage here, you are going to engage in a fight. I hope that you don't have a five-year experience like I do. But I'm going to be praying that if you do, you stay true to it. Yeah? 
stay true to the covenant that you have with God and what he's called you to do in this house and keep soldiering through. You're going to get breakthroughs. Um, God talked to me about a guy in this church and there may be more than one, but there's at least one guy in this church, one couple in this church from Luke chapter 7. Um, there's a guy there. He had built an entire synagogue for the Jewish people on his own. God is actually going to raise up people in these last days where one guy, one family will be so financially blessed by God that they'll be able to pay the bill on their own. Seriously. I, you know, Some people don't believe in this stuff and some people believe a gospel prosperity that is just all about themselves. It's narcissistic. It's all about them and their world. They think the whole world revolves around them. It does not revolve around me. This whole world revolves around Christ. And at any time, God could say, son, go back, and it's all over. And what you got, you know, when you get to heaven with your gold bars, they're paving bricks. The cars, the houses, the gold, the jewellery, whatever it is, the clothes, burn up, doesn't make it. It could just be gone like that. But if you take that material resource and sow it into the kingdom of God, it becomes an eternal part of your reward and resource. So as you look at this here right now, some of you, um, some of you can give 10,000 bucks now. Some of you can give more than that. Some of you can't give 100 bucks, but you can give 50 on a monthly, weekly, or whatever basis. All you need to do is fill out the, the form. Um, and it's pretty easy. You've got regular giving. You've got one-off gift. If you can put in your details, you've got a chart there to look at on what you can do. When I pledged my $10,000, I thought it was going to take me six months to pay it off. And uh, I've already put $2,000 in cash. Started three weeks ago. God's just sent the money. Someone owed me for a job that I'd done earlier this year. And uh, instead of getting what I expected this week, I should get, they've just confirmed, I'm going to get like $2,000 more than I expected. That's not exciting for you, but that's really exciting for me. Because currently, I am giving 50% of my income away. I'm working two jobs, and half of it is being given away. It's either going into a building fund deal, or going into something we've done for our family, or going into other things. And I don't know about you, but for, for a bloke at the end of the week, to know that half your paycheck's gone, or just, it's already committed, it's like... but because it's going in such a viable area I'm actually in a better position now than I've ever been I've got seed in the ground and it's going to produce a harvest I can't encourage you enough to give let's pray God I pray right now Holy Spirit I pray that you would come and speak to people God if we can just respond to that word that you speak into our ear we will enter into a full, productive relationship with you. I pray today, God, that every single person here gets involved, would, would experience the 30, 60, 100-fold return from you. I pray today that C3 Tugra would begin to expand to the left and to the right. 
I thank you, Lord God, that this property is paid off. I thank you, Father, that there's youth, there's young adults, there's seniors, there's families in this place worshipping you. I thank you, God, that the light that is shining out of this place is penetrating darkness. God, that you are rebuking the devourer for C3 Tugra today. I thank you that the covenant of blessing, God, that you said we should prove you in, with tithes and with offerings, is fully functional and manifesting in this place in Jesus' name. And everyone that agreed said, Amen. Why don't you go ahead and fill out those forms. Uh, We're not ready to receive just yet, ushers. Thanks. Just want to give people time to fill it out. And if you want to know how to spell thousand, um, then, then I can help you with that. Does anyone need a pen? If you don't have a pen, we'll get pens to you. anyone needs a pen, we'll get one to you. I prefer to minister healing into people's lives physically. But you know, today, more people are dying as a result of poverty than physical sickness. They die from starvation. Um, because I because I still have five minutes left, and I'm a capitalist, in a sense, I'm going to use it. And once you finish for now, your form, I wonder if um, you would just help me do a quick survey because I like doing surveys. It's just one of my quirks. Um, in a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And in terms of richness in the world, if you think you are in the top 30% of rich people in the world, I'm going to ask you to stay standing. And then from there, we're going to go up, up and up and up, up. And then we'll just check how you... Would that be okay? How rich do you think you are? Do you think you're in the top 5%, 10%, 20 30 40 50 um, How many people own a car here today? Just put your hand up real high. Um, help me up on the desk... Uh, how many, what percentage do you reckon? Put your hand up real high. Own a car. Percentage. 80? Wow. Okay, 80%. Just remember that. Right. Have you finished filling out your forms? Finished out your commitments? Are we handing them up now? Yeah, can we just hand them along now? Or uh, Yeah, sorry, you got the buckets. Great. Let's, let's receive them. I've got to find my notes. Uh, where is rich? Rich people. Where is rich people? Let me find... Is this okay? Am I, am I doing okay? Have I helped at least one person this morning? Who have I helped? Great. It was worth coming. Please don't um, think that this is me. This is half of me, this, this ministry. Healing and winning a loss is, is probably the most important passion in my life. And uh, we're going to get a chance to do that. But building the house of God is the most important focus of our world today. Would you do the survey with me? Would you stand? Don't feel awkward about it. Just have a bit of fun with it. You might get the answer wrong. I reckon about 60% of you will get the answer wrong. If you think you're in the top 30% of rich people in the world, please stay standing. Top 20%. 
top 15%, 10%, top 9%. That's good. So far, all you guys that are standing got it right. Top 5%. Three. Top 1% of rich people in the world. Well, that's pretty good. Your pastor's stuck it out until 3%. Here's some facts for you. 8% of the world own a car. 8% of the world own a car. Some of you have two. America is 6% of the world's... Of, is 6% of the world but consumes 40% of its resources. Consumes 40% of its resources. We Aussies are only ever five years behind those guys. God blesses us so that we can bless. Clean drinking water, a billion people are without that today. Food, 800 million are without food and 300 million of those are kids today. Every two seconds someone dies from starvation. Got any spare change in your car? Most of us have it in the glove box in different places. I've got four or five bucks at my hotel room just sitting there on the counter. Spare change, one billion people live on less than one dollar a day. Experts say to feed, clothe and provide basic nutrition for all poor people in the world will cost us $20 billion a year. Incidentally, that's what America spends each year on ice cream. Australia, we do that on junk food and just kind of spontaneous, easy. The problem is not a lack of money. The problem is a lack of generosity. It's a dangerous thing to think that our world is the world. In China today, 86% of Chinese people live on $2 a day. 86% live on $2 a day. Incidentally, overall as a church in that survey, you did pretty well, but all of you are in the top 10%. All of you. The difference between the ridiculously filthy rich and us is nothing compared to the rest of the world. And we all have something to give. Having said all that, I believe God is going to take you to a new place of prosperity. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I want to thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. I want to thank you for the commitment to the vision of this house. I want to thank you, God, that they are partnering with you and with the leadership of this church to make your name famous throughout the land. God, I thank you today as we meet tonight that, God, your power, your spirit shall be poured out. I thank you that the eyes of their understanding shall be enlightened, that they shall know the hope of your calling, the exceeding greatness of your riches towards us who believe in you. I thank you, God, that today the devil is put under our feet by you, that you are rebuking the seed eater on our behalf, that we have come into a new day, that there's a new day shining upon this church, that from the east and the west, the north and the south, you are sending people into this house to come and surrender their lives and find faith, hope, and
love.